0: Episode 294 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans' podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Salosi, and I'm joined here to discuss a game that we first discussed, I want to say, five years ago? Four years ago? A, a while ago. But um, I was not on those episodes, but I am on this episode. But who's joining me and for what? Let's answer the first question first. It's Zach Wilkerson. Hi there. And Alana Hags. Hello. Now, Alana, some time ago, I will not bother to look up what year... We did some episodes on Nier, the uh, popular Square Enix action RPG uh, that was, I mean, depending on how much you care about Dragon Guard continuity, something like the third or fourth game in its extended universe.
1: Oh yeah, pretty much. It gets a bit complicated, but it's like a direct sequel to one of the endings of the original Dragon Guard. Yeah, it was 2016. It was April 2016. I'll remember that because it was my very first appearance on Retro. Oh wow! It's a pretty easy date for me to remember. Yeah,
0: that was your first one, not not the uh, was the FF6 episode before or after that?
1: I think we recorded it around the same time, but it went up a few months later. That was the first episode we were on together. But yeah.
0: Right. All right. That, that, that sounds about right. But uh, regardless, I was not on those episodes and but I think I did edit them. So I was ve- it was very confusing navigating the plot stuff going on. And I forgot a lot of it. Um, but this is my first time playing near. Uh, um, I, I played the recent uh, near replicant remake for PS4. And uh, Zach, you were not part of RPG fan in 2017. But this is not your first run of near. Is that correct?
2: that's true um i played the original near for uh the ps3 maybe about a month after we recorded our automata episodes um so like march of last year right around when the pandemic started interestingly <laughs> okay so we're
0: all different degrees of, ex- of when we experience the original near um i tried playing it uh before I even started podcasting, it was the let's say the mid twenty tens um i was go you know trying to clear out things from the old p s three backlog and started near but did not get very far i don 't even think I meant Gr- grim vice because it it just it just did not grab me in its uh, in its opening moments of uh of whacking sheep and whatnot um <laughs> but uh, this is uh, an episode all about near Replicant. We're g- it's going to be in the contents, excuse me, in the context of the recent remake. Uh, but we we will we'll compare it to the old one. We won't go through it plot point by plot point. That's, that is not really what I want to do. I just want to talk about our thoughts and feelings on this very unique, very weird game uh, which you, Alana, reviewed for the website a month or two ago, right?
1: Yeah, right when it came out.
0: And I mean, you had to play it in a truncated experience. you probably only had like ten days or two weeks to finish it right was it was that a was that a bit of a struggle
1: uh which is more than normal to be honest um <laughs> not really because like i I remembered pretty much the structure of it, and I knew what I needed to do um obviously, there were some new bits which were the things that I was very conscious to hit. Luckily, all of the new sections are mandatory except the extra ending, which i might not have even got had i not known that it existed because it's tucked <laughs> away um but yeah it wasn't too bad an experience i was just mostly thrilled to get back to this world and these characters again because um, in preparation for replicant coming out i'd also replayed automata a couple of weeks before uh, i got my copy of replicant so i was ready to go basically and go i did
0: and, uh, again, I don't remember my experience with OG Nier very closely, because, again, it was maybe less than two hours. But one thing that surprised me was uh, just how similar they, they felt. I know that near Replicant is remade to be more like Automata, like sort of made in its image somewhat, with uh, y- you know, like having the context of how popular Automata was and trying to have the two games connected a little bit more, obviously. But was original Nier... Did it feel the same? Like uh, because I remember it being so much clunkier. It,
1: it was clunkier, yeah.
0: But again, that was a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't realize the connection of near uh, the, the main character near. The, sprinting around the overworld with a book flying over him while wielding swords being so similar to what happens in automata. Cause it's uh, like, like the image of to be running with her drone over her shoulder and near running with his uh, flying book over his shoulder was a sort of a stylistic similarity that I really never made a connection to I- again. Cause I, I know extremely little about how the original near feels. Uh, but, yeah, it, it it the games are obviously connected, and that one is a sequel of the other. But th- there was more gameplay connections and more stylistic connections than I uh, than I understood. And me again playing near Automata for the first time uh, in I, I guess it was uh, early twenty twenty, uh, and and then playing this a little over a year later, the through line was stronger than I thought it would be. Uh, is I that think- go ahead?
1: I was going to say, I think that's more of a retroactive thing, because certainly, like, not to say that there aren't tons of, like, really obvious connections, because obviously in Automata you have the library inside the tower, you've got all of some of the weapons stories relating back to Nier and some of the other characters, um in Automata back to Nia, but Replicant has got a few tweaks to it that make it a little bit more connected to its sequel like some of the areas have been slightly redesigned um so like you know outside the lost shrine you can very visibly see some of the like buildings and the pipes that are in um the city ruins in Automata and inside the, the oh god uh, the junkyard or the junk heap Um, part of the factory looks like the inside of the um, copied factory or the abandoned factory in Mm -hmm. the um, Automata and the Vice thing you pointed out was also added in Replicant Uh, Vice did not float out by you unless you fought, you were in combat he disappeared outside of combat and in towns Um, so yeah, there was something else they added but yeah, I think the through line is really important because I think the intended audience is probably a lot of people have played automata and automata only because they may not have had a playstation 3 or they were put off by the bad word of mouth that a lot of critics gave the original um it's a little bit undeserved um it's better than people said it was and there was a lot of like anti-Japanese RPG discussion and rhetoric going around in 2010 when the original Nier came out so it immediately like, put people off and like Yoko Taro and Kavia Studios who um are the people behind God and the original Nier um they had a bit of a rep anyway for like Making games that were like ambitious but didn't quite play well. Like I think if anyone's played a Dragon God game, they can yeah, probably that... attest to that more than with Nier. Um but yeah, Kavia went def- um were defunct after Dragon God three, which is why many of the like many of the staff like stuck around with Taro and moved on with Platinum to do Automata. So yeah.
0: Right. Um. The kind of fan you're describing is like 80% of what I am. Uh. I, <laughs> I like, I knew nearby reputation that a lot of people loved it, but the, there was uh, repetitious parts of it, and it was a little bit messy. And that was also my, uh, perception of of the Dragon Guard games. Like, there are cool parts, and this is ambitious, but it's messy. And uh, GameSpot gave it a six out of ten. Like, like I, that was kind <laughs> of the reputation that I felt with Cavia, which probably why I was reluctant to try any of their games. Um, but but I, I I'm not someone that was slagging JRPGs around 2010, <laughs> I promise. No. But uh, it, my interest in Nier was hugely amplified by playing Nier Automata, and uh, and this uh, Nier Replicant remake for PS4 was the perfect opportunity for me to revisit it. And even though I um, I even thought about playing Nier last year, uh, let's say like not long before the uh, the Replicant remake was announced. Um, but uh, Zach, you uh, were a little bit more, uh, let's say, impulsive than I was, and you and you played near uh, near Gestalt or near PS3 not long after playing near Automata. Like, what what were a few things that jumped out at you between um, since you've played both versions a year or so apart uh, in terms of differences between the two?
2: I mean, I, I think that I mean all the things that Alana discussed I think are all significant but I mean I think it's just like the the way the way the game feels I actually um I didn't have as much of a problem with the combat in the original near as most people um like it wasn't complicated um or um you know overly ambitious and certainly wasn't as smooth as Platinum and, th- and this version isn't either um like you can tell that Platinum like the, they, they tried to make it feel more like Automata but it's still not automata. I mean, like there's not the dodging mechanics and things like that, that feel very platinum. Um, so that's probably what struck me most. Um, And, you know, I I actually just think that because of the changes they made, like, they didn't make the bosses any harder, and the bosses were amazing in the original Nier, and they're the same here. Uh, The game just feels a lot easier than the original (laughs) Nier. Um, I struggled a little bit with the original Nier, and I don't know if it's just because, like, I just played the original Nier um, last year, but this time I did not. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it it felt like the same game to me, despite the fact that there's a different protagonist, technically. Um, It it still felt like near to me. And uh, did they, I I know a few of the story
0: changes that they made and and we'll get to those later, but was there any um, major script changes or voice work changes just just in the parts that are in both versions? Um,
2: Um, I I mean, uh, there certainly are some changes and I'll let Alana talk about some other ones, but um, it's mostly smoothing out, but there are some, the mermaid sequence, which we'll talk about later is pretty significant new content um and there are things that are added but yeah in terms of the script there are definitely some some significant changes but not anything that misses what it was doing originally and obviously there are some script changes as well because of the fact that it's young near instead of dad Nir oh yeah this time course. around
0: yeah. The, the, yeah they had to record new dialogue for for near himself at least
1: well, they re-recorded all of it. It's all re-recorded mm-hmm. voice work, yeah. The, the entire script is basically reworked. It's just ironed out, and it's a really good localization. My favorite change, actually, before I get to like any of the significant ones that I maybe want to bring up, um, like when you... Obviously, obviously, we're jumping right into the plot here. Um, at the no, time go for skip, it. At the time skip, when you uh, bring back Kaine from her petrification, um, I can't remember what she says in Replicant, but she's a lot nicer to Nier. And in the original Nier, she tells him... You look like sh <laughs> <laughs> And they don't, and she doesn't say that to him in Replicant, so they tone that down a little bit, but um, rest assured, Kaine swears a hell of a lot more in this version than she did in the original. It's glorious. It's so good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah Kaine's crudeness is uh, just completely delightful the whole, the whole way through. Uh, in, in fact, I think that um, the, the the quartet of Nier, Grimoire Vice, Kaine, and Emil is one of the great RPG parties of the past 15 years.
1: <laughs> Easily. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites ever. Yeah, it,
0: it's... Um, I, I almost wish that they were together for more of the story. Because really, uh, you only get the full complement of them for, let's say, most of the part two story because uh, again j- just uh, just so we can throw around terms without confusing listeners uh, uh, listeners i assume that you have played this game because we are going to spoil all of it uh and if you don't care about spoilers and haven't played near i'll we'll go into a brief explainer to make this less confusing um you play through part one of the story um then a major event happens where yona is a- abducted and then you have a five-year time skip and then at the at that five-year time skip uh Emil and Nier go on a brief adventure together and then they free uh, uh, free Kaine from her petri- petrification. And then the part two story is those four main characters um, uh, sort of continuing a story where they have to assemble a stone emblem to open up the Shadow Lord's castle and then defeat the Shadow Lord in his castle to rescue Yona. So part one is young Nier. Part two is uh, assembling the this, this stone emblem and then you get your ending uh based on circumstances and how many times you've played through the game after defeating the shadow lord in his castle so (laughs) um me going into this game uh I, all, right, all right, well, okay, okay. Uh, I'm gonna back up a little bit. Um, this game takes place in a post-apocalyptic world, but they are not hiding that post-apocalypse from you. At the very beginning, you play a prologue with uh, Near and Yona struggling in what appear to be, uh, you know, modern human un- ruins against uh, against shade monsters. And uh, and to sort of protect his sister, Near picks up a black book and uses the powers of the black book to stave off the monsters. And then there's a, a time skip of. What was it? Hundreds of years, thousands of years into a somewhat idyllic world, uh, where a an identical pair of young people, Nier and Yona, are caring for each other in this small town. So, immediately, they're they're not trying to hide a lot from you yet. Like it's you're definitely in a post-apocalypse where there are ruins of what would be, you know, say modern Japan, and the people within the world are aware that there was a different civilization hundreds of years ago with things like bridges and train tracks still lying around, so they're not hiding that from the player, but exactly what's going on in this world is definitely hidden from the player until you reach some endings. So I, I thought that was an interesting choice for uh, like how they contextualize this version of the apocalypse, but uh... <laughs> How much of a loop are you thrown for at the very beginning of the game? Like, like uh, playing through that prologue and then going off to collect mutton from local sheep <laughs> it, it, at, at, when the main story begins. Like, like how much... I, I don't know. I was a little shocked at that transition. How do, how did, how do you guys feel about that?
1: Um, I was surprised the first time, for sure. I mean, obviously I knew it was coming the second time around because I'd already played it, but like... Yeah, I remember thinking, like, well, what's going on? Why can't I see the parking lot? Why is Yona more sick or less sick? And who are these people? Like, I just had questions and questions and questions. And even up until I got Grimoire Weiss, um, it's very interesting to me this time around that actually, how did I not notice that the two books were different colours in the beginning of the game? Like, you have the, obviously, <laughs> you, you have the black book of right at the beginning, Grimoire no, uh, Noir, and... It's Grimov. I should going to pick up literally within an hour of the game. So it's like I didn't even add two and two together that oh, early yeah. on.
0: I, I I did figure that out at least. I'm like, okay, this is hundreds of years later, so this is probably not exactly the same boy. But I know that Near Automata has you know a, a cyclical nature to its world. So maybe mm-hmm. this is maybe uh, the boy has lived with his sister in in you know a never ending cycle of. Of finding of finding a book <laughs> like uh, th- a thousand, a thousand times for all I know, but and this time it's white so like I, I I did not know the nature of the exact nature of the world going in, even though I had some ideas from playing automata ahead of time uh, and also the, the so that was a surprise, and the other not really a shock, but the the other sort of thing that threw me for a loop is how Devola and Popola are the sort of the, the mayors or or city ma- managers of your idyllic oh, little town yeah. and i and I definitely knew not
2: to trust them <laughs> right yeah of course I yeah, mean, you've
1: got that contact yeah
2: yeah because in automata you actually the, the two versions of Devola and Popola you made are the ones who tell the story about these two versions of <sighs> Devola and Popola. Right. Um, so, and having played Automata three times before I put this, it's like, oh, I know who these people are. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of a spoiler in and of itself, you know. And
0: I mean, Near yeah. Automata is about androids. I knew that there there was a Devola and Popola android in Near Automata, and they mentioned other Devolas and Popolas before them. So I'm like, so I, I, I knew that these Devola. And Popola, that this Devola and Popola in uh, in near replicant were probably androids, and was this a village of androids, or are they like android shepherds of of humans? <laughs> I, I I wasn't totally sure, but I did not trust them for the whole game because of advanced of advanced knowledge, which is a little unfair of me. But uh, a lot of the beginning of uh, of near one is, or, or let, let's say, the part one of the story is near uh Yona is sick Nier is looking for a way to maybe cure her sickness and he's doing odd jobs around town and it is it is almost side quest the rpg like it, it beca- <laughs> there's very little story thrust you're like oh i read about a flower that might cure her let's go collect the flower oh we need to make a delivery over to seafront town let's go to seafront town and it's it's it, events strung together like that were, that introduce near uh the character near not the game near to the surroundings around him and give the player like a, some familiarity with the world and its characters and over the course of that beginning half you do meet Kaine and Emile, just two again perfect companions for an rpg uh Kaine is dressed in in a negligee um wields two swords and is very rough around the edges and physically imposing because she can leap around and slice and dice evil shades as well as anything I've ever seen. And Emil is a precocious uh, person with the appearance of a young boy, maybe age 10 or so. But uh, he has the unfortunate curse of anything that he, anyone he looks at turns into stone. So he's uh, he's permanently blindfolded and, uh, and and lives with his butler in an isolated mansion. Um, and, and you meet kind of near the beginning of part one and... Emil towards the end of part one, but they're they are your two closest companions for most of the game. Alongside Grim Weiss, a very, very sassy talking book. Hmm. And Alana, I was surprised when you said that there that Vice doesn't fly over you over your shoulder in the original Nier, because that is the image I have of this game, is Nier with mm-hmm. a sword with his book flying over him. That that's v- yeah. very indelible to me now.
1: Yeah, it's only in combat he pops out. But the banter's still there in the original, so you're not like it's not like there's no like Back and forth. Because I think that's what really makes this game is like the interactions between all these characters, like all the time. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on, they'll comment on what's going on, or they'll joke around, or they'll talk, or they'll exchange, or they'll bicker. And it's like, it's just like real life. It's very, very lovely. I really love this cast to bits.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kaine is uh, one of my favorite characters in video games. Um, I mean, and we'll get into this more when we talk about Ending E. Um, with Kaine, but I think that um, the text adventure stuff that you see with her, I think, is really fascinating um, in terms of, like, painting her. Um, And she is so unapologetic about who she is. And I know that, you know, people talk about the way that Kaine dresses a lot on the internet, because of course they do. Um, And it's Taro, um, so of course they do, and of course he did. Um, But I like the way that that's used here and i know that people can maybe use it as an excuse but like like it is a way of like her embracing it because we haven't talked about the fact that she's she's intersex um and, and that causes mm-hmm. some um her to be bullied when she's a child um and just the way she embraces it and the way that she and emile's sort of like kindness like bounce off of each other um is amazing um and, and emile's story in knowing him from automata um and knowing sort of how his story ends and automata makes him so incredibly tragic, um, but also such a beautiful character. Um, I, I, I adore this cast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a very a uh, uh, thing of its era. Like, um, original near came out, I think, in twenty ten, and games around then. There was a lot of uh, banter. Like, like there was games like uh, like Bioshock and Mass Effect, where like environmental storytelling with dialogue, uh, sort of non immediate dialogue, like background dialogue while exploring became uh, sort of a signature thing in that gener- in the PSV60 generation of games. And uh, Nier is just an incredible example of that because it's exactly that right time, uh, m- again, a few years after those games I mentioned. But the writing is so good. And uh, with how sort of determined Nier is, how sassy Grimoire Vice is, how like, crude and straightforward uh, Kaine is, and how just like syrupy kind and sweet emil is it makes for some awesome dialogue like i loved <laughs> listening to these characters talk to each other for uh 30 plus hours
1: yeah my one of my favorite interactions with them is when they're at the top of the shrine and i think this is oh god i don't remember when this happens um oh i think it's right at the beginning of the second half of the game and like emil's talking about how he likes camping outside with Kaine. <laughs> and Kaine goes i I've got an image to maintain. <laughs> like,
2: you you missed one of yeah. her words there, along. Yeah,
1: I did. I, this is a PG-13 podcast. I suppose if I feel inclined, we'll get the senses out. It's fine.
0: If we uh, directly quote Kaine too often, we will have to like uh, lift the child-friendly moniker from this ep- from this episode. I mean, but. literally once, I think, would be enough.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah I think you all hit it on the head really like I think I just love how different they are like you can com- like you've got like your mass effects in that way you've got like different like everyone's very different in mass effect but there's something very unique about the cast in Nier in that like you know at the end of the day one of them is just a normal human and then the rest you've got a book an intersex woman and a gay boy who is like not he's a skeleton and a biological weapon as well so you've got like I don't know where else are you going to get that from? And like, yeah, well, uh, they just skip, skipping yeah.
0: ahead a little bit. I mean, uh, Kaine, uh, through uh, was you know um, exiled from her town be- uh, because of because of her intersex nature. They they called her all kinds of awful things. Um, and then d- during a shade attack on her uh, on her grandmother's home, uh, she became possessed by a shade, which is mm. which contributes to her incredible strength, but also makes her half monster in a way. And Emile who had been alive for hundreds of years, probably since before the apocalypse, was part of a uh, a, a group of, um, of children who were experimented upon, and uh, where Ca- Emil and his sister were sort of a matching pair, where his sister was uh, turned into a biological weapon, and Emil was turned into a different kind of weapon to counteract uh, his sister should his sister uh, lose control, which is, again, like her sister was a a dangerous biological weapon and they and emile was given this petrification modification so he could petrify his sister in case uh the lab lost control of her and there's a hidden a giant hidden lab underneath his uh his mansion house and i think it's implied that the butler that takes care of him was like a caretaker android Mm -hmm. yes yeah yeah he is yeah right
1: it's very obvious there's like a bit where he's robotic
0: yeah it, it, exactly we're, we're like his uh his memory skips or something and he's he's has to I, I don't remember the exact moment but it it it, it was implied fairly heavily so like th- there's weird circumstances around these characters and again in grimoire vice is a floating book with magic powers who doesn't remember what he is or why he has these magic powers and uh, before they even meet kind and Emil, uh near and vice figure out that they might be able to uh cure yona's sickness if Vice gains his full power back, uh, because of a, because of a, a, folkloric song that, uh, they discover in town being sung by Devola and me realizing that, uh, Popola was the one who, who gave Yona the idea of visiting the shrine where Vice lives and and Devola giving them the idea of, you know, finding all of the, uh, all of the, the words of power to give, um, Vice's full power back is like oh they
2: were they've really been manipulating it all from the beginning Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I mean and they make it a lot more clear in this version too Mm -hmm. Um, those conversations in Route C which I are totally new to Route C and actually make Route C like not as much of a slog as it was the first time um, (laughs) or or, uh, make that explicit but one of the things I want to pick on that you were talking about there Mike um, and it's one of the things that I like about this game a lot Um, you're talking about like these characters like mysterious pasts like the things that happened to Emil why Grimar Vice is the way that he is um, and even like sort of like the whole history of the world, like even if you've played Dragon Guard, like knowing how they got from A to B is not clear. And if you like go read Grimoire Near, which is like the collection of short stories and all this other stuff, like you can figure out the lore, mm-hmm. but the game doesn't really care about that. I, I figured um, I figured out
0: some of it. Like, like if
2: you read yeah. the documents that you get near the end of uh, mm-hmm. Ending A.
0: It, basically one of the endings in Dragon Guard transported a giant a giant colossus and a giant dragon to the real world and uh, right. and and those two created huge destruction and destroyed each other but the the remnants of the colossus created a horrible disease that mm-hmm. that caused uh mankind to start to go extinct and the rem- remnants of the dragon were like were was able to sort of create a new field of magic technology which you know created the nature of magic in the world of near so um like mankind started started to die out because of an apocalypse brought on by events of dragon guard
2: right um yeah, and I and, and personally, of course, I think all that stuff's like really interesting. Um yeah. but I don't actually think the characters do. Um and I and you don't need to know so my point is like I think that like I like that like all that stuff is stuff that you can dig into, but it doesn't really change the emotional core of the game no. um in any dramatic way. And I kind of like how like unless you do like some serious digging, and of course I'm a huge Nier fan, so like I don't know, I'm gonna spend some time on the lore. But like it doesn't like, my understanding of the lore, which is much greater now than it was the first time I played it, doesn't change the emotional impact of it, and the game doesn't, the game world builds in a way that I really like. It's like, hey, here's, like, some, like, vague hints, like, the way that people would really probably experience this world. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel the need to explain everything, even with Ending E, which we'll talk about. Like, it doesn't really explain Ending E totally. It does, a little bit. Um, But I like that I like that because I think it allows us and encourages us to focus on the characters themselves, uh, which we'll get to more of my later thoughts, but I really like that.
0: Yeah. And I never felt like I was being bogged down by lore. Like everything that I, uh, that I went into a brief explainer on a second ago, uh, is in the text of the game, but took me five minutes. Like, like this, this mm-hmm. isn't, this isn't an exhaustive codex that they encourage you to check. I mean, uh, when I played tactics ogre for the podcast, um, i guess 2 years ago maybe i time. it was like a year and it was, ago, it was, so. it was a year i was only about a year ago <laughs> see i i i have completely lost understanding of the passage of time um but the uh like i thought that game had a little bit too much lore buried in menus and i did not feel that way about uh, about near replicant like um the moment to moment drama is a lot and it's and it's great but uh, there's a little bit of background lore in the game that maybe clarify a few things that i i didn't think was I didn't think was, was bad. But uh, sometimes I do think, like, lore encyclopedias and video games do get bad. This this didn't hit there, though.
1: Yeah, and you only really start to get the important information, like, right at the end of Route A, when you've already formed those connections, and it's suddenly, like, you've suddenly got this, like, dilemma of, oh my god, look at all of this information about the world, look what we've done, but I love these characters, kind of thing, and you've got that weight on you. But yeah, I don't think it, like, overrides anything, because, like... Yeah, they're just special. I think the way that the game is written and the way that they it's paced and the way that they, like, build up the characters and the way, like, Route B gives you more into Kaine and Route C, you get a little bit more of a meal as well because you get a little bit of extra text at the end of Route C, I think, for him. Um, yeah, it just, it really plays on your emotions, but not in, like, a way that feels like it's kind of begging or kind of, like, like lying to you or something like that, I don't know, but... I think I think I think I think it's earned wholly and entirely, like very naturally. They're they're just fantastic. Like I, I could talk two hours about just those two characters, let alone like Nair and Vice. Like, give me two hours on Emil and Kaine, and I can I can go for. It, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, like like Emil is is uh, introduced a little bit late in in uh, the part one of the story before the time skip, but uh, and and you and uh, he dies sort of dies during one of (laughs) during uh uh, in the end game portion in the shadow lord's castle but uh, you get a scene i think at the end of ending b where you you realize that really it was only his body was destroyed but his head is intact and his mind is intact and he's finding a way to rebuild himself and that was like seeing him die multiple times and uh then seeing him uh, like survive was an emotional gut punch followed by emotional relief that felt completely like like, like, like completely earned the, um this is sometimes uh, stories will twist themselves for the sake of twisting themselves and i 'll just think what where did this come from like like why did they do this they're, they're only doing it for the sake of doing it, but for near like every um every moment of emotional drama and every choice that they did in the story other than some rep- uh, repetition elements, felt completely earned, and, uh, wh- and, and basically Yoko Taro played my uh, brain like a violin um, messing with me. <laughs> he l- did. Less l- messing with me here. But we've been talking about endings A, B, C, D, E. Uh, just to give a framework for referring to later in the episode, um, when you beat the game, you beat part one, beat part two, get ending A. Then uh, to get ending B, you load your save file. Uh, your, your, I'm sorry, you load your clear data. You start at the at the stone emblem phase of the game, which is again like the, say the sixty percent mark, or maybe maybe the fifty percent mark. And you be, you you clear that part again, but this time uh, you see monster dialogue. Like you, you'll see the uh, the bosses get cutscenes and learn a little bit about each of them before uh, uh, before fighting them. And I also get more information on the relationship that Kaine has with the Shade living inside of her. And that made me wonder, maybe this is obvious and I'm just a dummy, or maybe I'm I'm go- I'm stretching this too far. Is the context of this, uh, Kaine has always been able to understand the Shades?
2: No. I mean, yeah. I think that during this, because she does some things and says some things during Route A that... You probably wouldn't one hundred percent understand, so but she's always able to understand them as long as we've been with her, but I think it's only as long as um tyran or tyran has been with been inside of her or thank you I, her. I couldn't I
0: briefly forgot yeah. his name so th- th- thanks for <laughs> setting that up but like th- th- that uh, I wasn't sure if uh if like they were giving us a an omniscient player's view of what the shades were saying or. Because ending B is sort of from Kaine's perspective, now we can understand the shades because she's always been able to understand the shades. Does that, that does that make sense? It's, I think it's the latter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think she's always it been is. able to understand them. Yeah. Right, and that gives you uh, just a lot of weird context because at, at the very end of ending A, you learn that um, that humans were almost entirely wiped out uh, thousands of years ago, but thanks to technology from the dragon. Uh, they're able t- their solution for the uh for the uh plague from the colossus was that humans can remove their souls from their bodies then while while their souls were removed and their bodies were dying out um repl- uh make perfect android replacements for their human bodies and reinsert the soul into the new into a new android body and uh devola and popola were sort of i i i said shepherd before and i think that's basically a- accurate even though the even though the sheep in this game play a different role um like am i to understand that there are hundreds of devilas and pupulas all over the world cultivating groups of androids so they can accept souls later I, i'm not what? sure that there are androids are they
1: um, uh, I don't the think so. No. Yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll
0: say replicants. Yeah, the, 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 the souls which are which, you know when, become, when they become corrupted, they turn into shades. Uh, are are gestalts and the and their their shells, their human their human seeming shells are replicants. And and near yeah. himself and, and and Yona herself are replicants. So, hmm. but like, are there colonies of replicants led
2: by android shepherds all over the world, or is this the only one in the world? I mean automata indicates that there yeah. were
1: there's multiple right. yeah um, okay
2: yeah so and i think that yeah based on other lore stuff that that is the case um but yeah automata basically confirms that um in like mm-hmm. the text adventure toward the end of the game right and and some of the
0: gestalts the former human souls have sort of lost themselves and become monstrous because of uh, because of a flaw in the programming of the gestalt separation technology but a lot of them are you know still humans that wa- that remember being human so like w- w- it, 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 the 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 boss gretel the sort of armored guardian uh near the beginning of part 2 um like starting to befriend and respect their uh their uh, the, the gestalts under their command and like and her pleading uh, i'm going to say gretel her just cuz it's the name gretel and her pleading with you to not kill her new friends is uh, it completely puts that boss fight in a completely different context, and um maybe the most dramatic one or, or one of them is the um uh, the mermaid sequence that was added for uh for the replicant remake where um you're you're fighting this monstrous kraken like shade uh but you realize that um th- this shade that was terrorizing the town had just fallen in love with a human which i guess is a replicant like had fallen in love with a human and was just expressing their love in the most in the worst way possible like, trying to become human herself by eating humans and and in her attempt to replicate singing like is, is devastating the landscape with screams it's it's it, it, it's messed up like the uh, the, uh basically um near's belief that he needs to wipe out all the shades to protect his family and uh with with the Shades themselves being human souls just trying to survive to become human again is just the most tragic of misunderstandings.
1: Wouldn't you do that, Lou? Of course I I would. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) If I was was a replicant in Nier's position, I would think of the Shades as as enemies. And if I was a a human, a former human that had become a Shade, I would be trying to to survive. Like, these... At, at the very, the very, your very first run through the game, especially since Shades are basically just shadowy-looking monsters, it is very, very easy to, get, to live with the context Nier is trying to protect his sister or rescue his sister, and, and the Shades are monsters that, for some reason, want his sister. But now, with this context, knowing that Shades are, are separated human souls, and the Shadow Lord is Nier's own Shade, or, or Nier's own Gestalt who is trying to revive his own sister and the Shadow Lord is the, the human near from the prologue who picked up the black book. Uh, th- like understanding who the Shadow Lord is and what the, the shades are just makes just makes everything more tragic where I don't think this I, I don't think this game has a real hero or a villain. It's just a uh, like it's just a post apocalypse that in trying to rebuild itself is destroying itself.
2: Right. I mean, I think that what's interesting to me is that I think even if Nier was able to hear the shades, I don't think that would change anything Mm -hmm. that he does, not a single thing, Um, because he loves his sister, um, and he's decided that that's what he needs. And I think that, um, you know, we're implicated in that a little bit, too, because we do know um, in in, in Route C, we've already seen that it happened before, and we're going to keep doing it. And, of course, it's a video game, so drawing that comparison is a little trite, maybe. But, um, like, I, I... I think that, you know, like when, you know, Popola, who's like calm and kind, even in the moments when she's explaining to you what the reality is, like when she just like completely loses her mind after you kill Devola. Um, So, yeah, I I don't think there are any heroes or villains. And I think that this game sort of rejects the notion of heroes and villains. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think that it makes it tragic. But I think that what's maybe more tragic is that we keep doing it anyway. Because mm-hmm. uh, we just like, don't care. That um, I mean, was especially true sure in Ending E when I got to play as Kine and I just like went out and killed shades for fun for like an hour. Yeah, um, I, I mean, she's amazing <laughs> to play. I, I mean, um, but yeah, I, just, I, I didn't care, and he doesn't care. He wouldn't care.
0: That damn Yoko Taro <laughs> makes video games in part to like, 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 like have gamers hate themselves. And excuse me for using the word gamers.
3: <laughs> like, he knows yeah. that
0: people will play this game and play through multiple endings to see everything because a lot of games have multiple endings or systems like that but he wants you to make the player suffer and feel bad about themselves with every <laughs> with every play with every playthrough but and and does that by having us learn more about the world and how m- most of this suffering is misunderstanding uh and but and, and every every important character in this game believes they're doing the right thing but it's it just everything is making everything worse, and uh, I, I I think that part of the uh, it's not really the problem, but like a uh, part part of the conflict of the plot is that the replicants stopped being empty shells and started and started uh, like started developing free will, and uh, yeah. Devola and Popola and androids like them also in their way started developing free wi- free will, and the context of you know um replicants not just replicants being more than just puppets is and and then the uh, the the gestals the 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 souls turning into shades because of a of a flaw in the technology just sort of made everything spiral out of control and 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 devila and popola who at first seemed like caring individuals then seemed like soulless robots and then after you kill uh, devila popola losing her mind because all she had was her sister Uh, as as her rock and her companion for over a thousand years made her completely lose her mind like all of that clashing together just creates a whole emotional artificial intelligence mess and that's what yokotaro lives for i think like he wants he wants players to feel bad about what they're doing in the game but continue doing it anyway uh, sorry, that, that, I've, I've, that's that been bottling up in me for a few weeks now. I, I've,
2: I've, I've, finished, I've, fin- I've finished this game in early June, and I've been thinking about it a lot. <laughs> you know, there's there's one thing I'm going to pick on that you said there. You're talking about misunderstandings, and I'm not sure um, that I would use the term misunderstanding. I actually think that Near does understand, right? I mean, like, and he just doesn't care, um, I guess. So to me, that's what makes this game interesting. Like, I feel like a lot of video games are like, oh, like, we just, like... Like, we both want what's best for the world. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like you know, I'm thinking of, like, you know, a thousand JRPGs, where even the bad guy, like, wants what's best for the world. But, like, nobody, uh, except for maybe Devil and Popola, sort of, but, like, really, is that best for the world to restore Gestalt like, to the replicants? Like, that's just, like, that's just a directive. Um, but but
0: also, I, I think, like, because in Near Automata, they mentioned that one pair of Devil and Popola's uh, like sort More of sort him. of betrayed the world and obviously that yeah. that's the these two yeah, yeah, that's these two. And is is it because they sort of accelerated the plan by ma- by giving near these resources and directing him to Grimmore Vice and forcing the Shadow Lords' hand a little bit? Is that is am I misunderstanding that?
1: I think that's how I would interpret. it. Yeah, or just the fact that they yeah, just the fact that they led him on or Hmm.
2: It's a good question. I mean, I've always gotten the impression that um by allow so basically like by allowing the Shadow Lord to die, who was like the first Gestalt who could like control his emotions, like he was basically yeah. maintain his-, his sense of self um, by leading people to him to kill him. But I I also don't necessarily see that as a betrayal, right? Like I- I'm not yeah. sure. I I was assumed to me like that it was Popola losing her mind. That essentially is the betrayal, but I don't really actually know how that would work. Like, well, the, the what, thing what is, I, I, I
0: don't, I don't think they were leading him to kill the Shadow Lord. I thought no. that, like, because because I mean, otherwise, why would they stop you when you're in the Shadow Lord's castle and directly oppose you, and instead of just let it happen? I thought, I thought that they were uh, they were empowering Nier, um, motivating him with what happens to Yona, maybe on the side baiting the Shadow Lord into abducting Yona. And f- with their end goal being forcing t- uh, near and the Shadow Lord into combat, f- but were also hoping for the Shadow Lord to win. Like, I thought they wanted the Shadow Lord to win so the Shadow Lord could try to possess his replicant.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, um, the Shadow Lord is obviously one of the original Gestalts, but isn't Yona patient zero? Wasn't she the very first one and she failed or something? Like, I... Because you don't see... Um I think I'm misremembering now. Um but like I'm sure like Yona in particular was the very, very, very first subject, but yeah. I don't remember quite enough, unfortunately, about that part. That's not explained in game.
2: Yeah, it's, I read that on some wiki at some point, I don't remember either.
1: <laughs> yeah. If not um, the
2: first subject, yeah. then at least
0: uh uh human near and human Yona were early subjects. And mm. um and and Gestalt Nier, the, the Shadow Lord was, you know, became strong enough or self-actualized self enough or uh, or maybe had assistance from Grimoire Noir, like like became the first, or, or the two of them became the first Gestalts really capable of re-entry into their replicants. Right?
1: Yeah, possibly. So
0: I, I thought that Devolo and Popola were accelerating the experiment by sort of leading Nier and the Shadow Lord to each other, but intending for the Shadow Lord to win but near had become too powerful and destroys devil popola and the shadow lord instead mm. is is my
2: interpretation Yeah, i, mean, I think it's reasonable yeah. but i guess that to me then it doesn't necessarily explain why devil and popola are so like the models are so ostracized um like that just seems like a a it's not a betrayal it's just like bad judgment
1: yeah, um, I, well that probably is, yeah. you know, it's just, right. li- it's not, maybe not even bad judgment, maybe it's just, oh, maybe I'm thinking into it too much, but maybe, like, the people who formed your or whoever wanted to perpetuate this lie that they did do something wrong and that they should be ostracized for some reason, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Your harm build might up this be, false uh, narrative about these two androids and then, you know, force them to atone by doing things for other androids and feeling guilt for the rest of their, like, rebuild existence I mean, I mean, or whatever. It,
0: is it crazy for me to think that maybe Yorha was formed by the world's Devolas and Popolas? Like, That's, like,
1: there is a re, there is an explanation for how Yorha was formed, okay. and it's not that. All right, all right. <laughs> it, it
0: involves 9S, interestingly. Yes. <laughs> Alright, but this isn't quite an episode about Near Automata, even though we've talked plenty about it. Um, but, uh, again, there's, there's a lot of connections between them, uh, both from sort of site-to-site changes uh the uh the 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 forest of myth in uh near replicant is clearly the for uh becomes the forest area adjacent to the amusement park in near mm-hmm. in near automata uh y- and you can make sort of just um place-to-place comparisons like that I, I think i think seafront is the uh is the port city area in uh in uh in near automata mm-hmm. as well yeah. Uh and, and of course the desert the deserts from the two games correspond to each other. But like even the moment to moment parts of the plot were I th- I thought pretty interesting. Um uh, the the desert civilization in, in Near Replicant <laughs> is uh, by a people who wear masks all the time, are governed by completely arcane sets of rules. Um, but you can, under- and, and speak a completely different language, but you can understand each other with, uh, with uh, Grimoire Vice acting as a bit of a translator. But it, they are such a peculiar city that it, it, it felt like a, a fascinating plot moment, the, uh, the two or three times you have uh, important quest points in that city. And uh, this is connecting to something else. Um, uh, the weapons in this game... Are stories in their own right, where every time you find a new Mm -hmm. weapon, you get a few paragraphs of a story. And every time you upgrade the weapon, you gain a few more story bits. And one of the weapons explains how the desert city was formed. Did did, did you you read that one? Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I read I them all at some point okay. um, I, I definitely didn't upgrade all the weapons because I'm not a total masochist I, I upgraded but, um, a lot of them yeah. and,
0: I, and, and yeah, that's, you a, did. that's a problem I have again I, I upgraded a couple to max that I used the whole game but, but like there's one weapon that is almost that is basically the story of Kill Bill <laughs> that I, yep. I I liked quite a bit um, one weapon that explains how the uh, how, oh, I forget the name of the desert city again what, what, what is it a facade, a facade of course that one weapon that explains why the people of facade developed a uh, complicated rules and a complicated language um another weapon that just uh, that tells the story of a, a, a all of the uh, the labyrinth weapons um are about uh are about bulls or minotaurs.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and 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 one of them the uh, the labyrinth song uh, i think is one of the weapons i used a lot in one of the, my runs t- told the story about a sad minotaur that everyone was afraid of that just that just wanted to help the people living around it <laughs> it's just like a, a lot of the weapon Upgrade mini stories were just beautiful and heartbreaking in their own way. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: and they weren't in the original Nier either. They were added in for Weapon. Yeah,
0: no, No, I'm not. No floating book. No sad weapon upgrade stories. No mermaid side quest. I ah.
1: I mean, the mermaid side quest didn't exist in the game, but it existed in Grimoire, Nier. <laughs> so it was a real thing. To it, like it's it's a little bit more elaborated here, um, but yeah. So, do, um, are you
0: telling me that? Um the The best character in the game, Red Bagman, survives the the events of of nearcus Red bagman isn't even in the original. he's not, he's not no. in, yeah
1: he's not in it no nope. oh <laughs> yeah.
0: God, this is worse than the boat song not being in Sega CD Luna <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, 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 you know i'm actually not going to agree with you this time Mike <laughs>
0: i uh, i mean uh, uh, this is the big side quest in Seafront. Uh, I, i'm not getting that name wrong, am i? It's correct. No, you're yeah, Seafront, right. okay. I knew it was seas- I knew it wasn't Seaside. That's that's Mario RPG. Um, <laughs> but uh I mean Seafront Village is in is in original near, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay.
2: Yeah, I but, mean the only two things that are like wholesale added except for a couple scenes are the mermaid sequence, which just isn't there. Like, you know how like you have like all those options like hey, go here or go here or go here. Like that's just like never presented. And then obviously ending E is not there either, but otherwise it's. I mean, this game is superior in basically every way, um, unless you yes. like strongly prefer Dad Nier, which I think you're wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I did get to briefly control near in some of the free, in
0: some of the free DLC in the PS4 version because they. Uh, uh, it, it's it's semi-required if you want to get see all the endings. But uh, basically, you enter a dream diary of sorts that has you play through some almost arcade-like stages as Dad near. So you at least get some Dad near dialogue. And and, and again, uh, listeners, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe I didn't we didn't mention this at all in the original 2010 near. Uh, there was two versions in Japanese: Gestalt and Replicant. In Gestalt, uh, near is a grizzled middle-aged man protecting his daughter Yona. And in Replicant, uh, near is a teenager protecting his sister Yona. And uh, and worldwide, um, only the Gestalt version with Dad near is uh, was released um, in other languages. But uh, for this remake, they are only releasing the teenage near version worldwide, and Dad near is just available in this uh, in a DLC episode.
2: Yeah, um, the whole story behind that is fascinating to me. Like. Like according to Taro in interviews, like he was set, he was told, like, "Hey, it'll appear mo- appeal more to Western audiences if you have like a really old, very ugly yep. man <laughs> um, I, as your main character," which I totally don't agree with. But I actually just think that, to me, like this just better having like young Near because like I feel like especially at the time shift, um, in like the changes you can see, like I don't know, he's like grizzled to start <laughs> in uh, original Near, um, mm-hmm. and like he just like is still grizzled and, you know... He has like an
1: eye patch, doesn't he? Yeah, Let's right. It. Yeah. yeah. He has an eye
2: patch, and he can control two-handed swords. Like, why Why would he be able to do that now as opposed to earlier? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, in, in it, it makes
1: a
0: little more sense to Tidnir because, like, oh, now he's 21 instead of 16. Right. And maybe yeah. and maybe you don't have the upper body strength to wield, like, a Zweihander broadsword.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh,
0: yeah. as, as, as soon as I got to use heavy weapons, it's like, well, I'm never using one-handed swords ever again because this is the best. This is what I want.
1: Really? Really? It's, it's a
0: little bit more Monster Hunter to me. Yep.
1: Oh god, I, yeah, I, I forgot
0: I, that. <laughs> I used heavy weapons almost exclusively when I first,
2: uh, upon first unlocking them.
1: Spears <laughs> um, I, spears I, I all
2: used the way. Phoenix Dagger. Literally, as soon as I got it, I upgraded it and never switched to anything else. So. Yeah, and that's a and that's a one handed <laughs> sword. Yeah, yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got the Phoenix Spear really early on, and that was me sword. So there you go. I
0: eventually got. I, I used the Labyrinth Song for a lot of it, but then I, I switched to the. Uh, b- before unlocking that one, I used. The, uh, I think it's called the the bad axe or the evil axe. Yeah, yeah.
3: something like that. Yeah, I,
0: I, I had an, an axe two-handed weapon um, that I used for a lot of the game um, be- before unlocking the Minotaur sword. Yep.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I want to go back to Dadnia, though, because I think, like, what Zach's saying is really important. Because, yeah, like, yeah, there was so much, like, so much, like chatter about like no dad near or anything like that and yeah there are so many things about younger near that like work so much better for me in the story and like um in particular i well lots of different things like obviously like as a kid he's struggling with money more and it just kind of makes more natural sense and then he grows like there's a there's a very like dad near is kind of grizzled and grumpy throughout whereas like teen near to adult near like Teen Nier is very naive, very... And, like, that's another thing. Like, Dad Nier didn't understand things like how to make money and how to buy things and how to do things, whereas it makes more sense with the younger Nier. And then the time skip happens, and the kind of change from this naive, carefree, over-worried boy to this, like, you know, I'm 22 years old now, and, like, I want to kill all the shades. But also he's extremely kind. Like, he's developed this kind of kindness over time that it feels very earned and um weird segue i guess not a weird segue but like linking to facade and to like um the younger near protagonist and emil i guess um one of the things that was basically completely written out in the game like it's obvious in the original near that kyni is intersex but it's not at all obvious in the original near that emil is gay and it's a lot more obvious this time around oh yeah i I think i
0: think both of them are quite in love with near the character
1: um uh, maybe I don't know if I totally buy the romance with Kaine and Nier or I I, I, like, I think
0: it's I think it's somewhat one sided, but uh but 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 Kine, I think that Kaine cares about Nier and Emil's in love with Nier. I,
1: I, I uh, Emil is oh yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with that notion. But yeah, Emil is absolutely in love with Nier and in the original, like well the arrested release anyway, because I think it was intact in the Japanese replicant, um, like it was completely written out. And I guess it kind of makes sense in context because, you know, Daphneir is like 42 and Emil looks like a little oh, kid. Oh, yeah. Or, mm. But that's also like, like
2: hundreds of years old. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's like exa- a Doctor
3: yeah, New no, problem. Well, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: yeah. Explaining <laughs> a little kid having adult romantic feelings by having them be hundreds of years old is... A jrpg move that i never like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I don't
1: think like i i don't know if that was the reason it was removed i just think it's a shame really because like the way that it's changed and the way that wasn't the original and the way that is now in replicant like is so important to emil like it really changes like how it changes him as a character but also like makes so much of his like personal struggles his development throughout the game and through like everything so much more important like and, 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 and it's really dad special
0: Emil and dad near yeah. that's like some zeus ganymede vibes that i don't <laughs> I, I don't i don't love in an rpg
1: yeah yeah but it work. it works really well here I think, oh yeah like, I it's just I, so endearing
0: i i, I mean we, we've we've said it already but i totally agree that the uh dad near makes way less sense was created for a western audience that uh you know loved games like you know, I, I guess like Bioshock and Mass Effect like I, the example I used before and was a somewhat misguided choice by the developers it, it, Teen Nier makes way more sense and I'm, I, I don't know if I want to say I'm glad they strictly went with it for the remake but it just, it just it, it, I think it was just the right call um,
1: they, did, they did a good job with it and, and giving perfect.
0: Dad Nier a cameo in the DLC is a, is a good nod Yeah, it was fun
1: Yeah
2: he, he, the voice actor did a great job in the original. Like I wasn't. I, I and it's it's funny because like I knew that it existed when I played the original near, but it didn't. Like none of those things that Alana talked about like don't, that don't really make sense. Except for maybe like I don't know if he's a replicant that was just created and doesn't know how to do money. I don't know. I mean, I, I can maybe try to reason my way out of it, but uh, like those things didn't really occur to me. But like, now, like I can't. I can't see it any other way. having yeah. played both. And
0: and uh, again, this is me not being privy to uh, a decade of discussions on online forums about this game, but like, are we led to believe that the events of this game or th- a version of the events of this game have happened hundreds of times?
1: Uh, I don't think that Nier is as cyclical as Automata All right. is.
2: No, it's but it's interestingly... Like, but,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> Nier Gestalt, which is the dad Nier version, and Nier Replicant are both apparently canon. Yes. Um, like, they take place at two different times. So I I don't really know how that makes sense. They've never tried to make that make sense as far as I'm aware, but
1: Yeah, I'm glad they haven't either cuz like <laughs> that's another thing that Yokotari does. It's like all of these endings could be canon as well. Like you don't have to. Yeah, he
0: he he know. picked an uncommon ending from Dragon Guard to be the canon ending that led that leads to Nier.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't mean that the other endings didn't happen either. So, you know, it's just it's it's almost like something that like he's almost like taking the piss a little bit like why are you trying to like make sense of everything so much like just let it happen and it's like and,
0: and, uh, yeah. and also to be fair i mean endings a b and c are almost the same in terms of what happens to near the character it's, it's just you have to go through them each time to get more context like understanding the speech of the shades after ending a and uh, getting additional scenes with devil and popola after ending b and, and other and other parts of the game as well after ending b but, like, it, it, at the end of all of them, uh, uh, Nier ex- executes the Shadow Lord, and uh, in, in, uh, but then in B and, in B and C, he also has to defeat Kaine, and uh, uh, w- after she goes berserk and Tyran starts to take over her. But um, after you do that three times, or I should, after you do a- endings A, B, and C, B and C, of which also involve killing Kaine, and if you have unlocked every weapon in the game which is a total of 33 of them, uh, several of which you get in the main story, but some of which you have to do side quests or do some exploration for, and I definitely use a non-spoiler guide to help me find a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the option to, instead of killing Kaine, uh, you get the option to take her place. And, uh, so, uh, and this will go into the memory core of the whole universe and erase the memory of Near from existence, but, but Kaine will survive. And in her memory, she was the person that defeated the Shadow Lord and rescued Yona. But in doing so, uh, again, with the context of erasing the memory of Nier from the world, they do the thing that uh, Nier Automata is also famous for, and force you to to delete your save file. And that leads to ending E, the circumstances of which are sometimes really exciting, and, but ultimately I find a little puzzling. Uh... <laughs> Let's talk about ending E. To, un- to unlock ending E, first you have to unlock all of ABCD and then start a new game, but naming near a different name than in your original file. So my- I-, I named my near Retro in the original file and I named him near in this new file because that's something I do sometimes for games that I know I'm going to podcast about later. Uh, <laughs> and starting this up you play through the very beginning of the game again, but after you defeat the lizard boss uh, around, I don't know, may- maybe like a third of the way through uh, chapter one, uh, there's a part where um, where Kaine is woken up from consciousness, almost dies and is woken up from consciousness. But in that scene where Kaine wakes up, she wakes up in her own bed with the events of the be- of this new beginning being a dream. And it takes you to the events after ending D where Nier's memory has been erased from the world. And now you're playing as Kaine. Uh, so what do we think about, about this part of the game? Like it's cool controlling Kaine, but
2: I'm not sure I love,
0: I'm not sure I love everything they do in ending E. Let's talk about
2: it. I think I do love everything they do in ending E, but I want to talk about, controlling kainé first <laughs> sure. um, uh, because it's delightful oh my goodness Yo, she's amazing. um it actually kind of reminded me like i've been playing the uh final fantasy 7 um Intergrade dlc recently and it is like the, fi- the fast pace of that um sort of reminds me of playing as kainé like playing as kainé is just a delight um like i want a game where i can play as kainé <laughs> um i don't actually think ending e opens up some like different timeline and maybe it does who knows it's yoko taro um but if it does, I want it to be a timeline that is like a year later where Kainé has to deal with something different and I play as her the whole game. Because controlling her is like the most fun I've ever had playing a Nier game. It was more fun than playing as 2B. Just like how quick she moves, the power of it. Like, I mean, like It was so intuitive in a way that playing as Nier or Dad Nier or whoever um, was not. I thought it was just amazing. And I it, really wanted to like, she... go visit all the areas yeah. and I couldn't. Like I couldn't go to the junkyard. Yeah. I tried. They wouldn't let me. Um, which is interesting because if you try to visit the junkyard, they say like the robots are getting out of control when you're trying to visit the junkyard, which I thought was cool. But yeah, I mean, I just, I love controlling Kaine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She has the power of the heavy weapons and the speed of a one hand weapon and is just as mobile, if not more so than near himself. But uh, going to the, one of the places you are allowed to go is the forest of myth. And Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, when you go there in part two of the game as near one of the trees, there. Like is some kind of like giant hard drive and describes itself as a, as a receptor of memory that contains all memories but it's starting to be corrupted and the memories are starting to be eaten which is a mm-hmm. one of the game's visual novel segments again I I, I mean this is true of near automata and replicant there's visual novel segments and where that are completely dialogue driven and also uh, sort of top-down shooter segments like I didn't realize that replicant slash Gestalt also had, Overhead gameplay with enemies shooting red balls at you. I thought that was strictly for part of Automata, but how wrong I was. Well,
1: like Replicant does it more often as well because you've yeah. got like the Diablo section underneath the mansion. You've got the Resident Evil section in the mansion when you go and see Emil the first time. <laughs> and they like, never it,
2: made the Resident Evil connection. But you're so right. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they, they bring and they bring back
0: a semi-Resident Evil version in the in the ghost ship.
1: Yes, they do. Yeah. yeah. And well, that's more like a. Oh my god! I guess it's almost like a Metroidvania or point and click mm. adventure game, isn't it? Yeah. Where you just go into doors and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, point and click adventure. I would it's say it's cool. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Like they like to play with genre all the time. Like it, it, it's a lot sometimes because like they don't always totally work. I mean, like, they work I, 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 I really like around.
0: shmups, so which is why I when I played through yeah, ending when I played through ending B in Automata, it was about seventy five percent hacking.
2: Um, oh, for, Wait until for you me. get me to too. the new raid and the. Uh, Final Fantasy 14 Nier series. Oh, I haven't. I haven't. There's a, there's a little schmupping there. Uh,
0: uh, the, don't I, don't, I don't mind now, that. No. I don't mind that. I don't. I. <laughs> I. Uh, I. Uh, when I was fighting. I'm still the, talking
2: near. <laughs> when I was fighting
0: the Nier credits in Automata, I got all the way to the German localization team before I died. That's
2: amazing. Um,
0: that's... yeah. I got. Like,
1: this time around, I did as well. I was like, wait, don't I have to die at some point? <laughs> I, right didn't, to, like... I didn't
0: know that. So I was <gasps> fighting for my life. <laughs> yeah, me too. In <laughs> <laughs> that ending. It's but been uh, four years. Do I need to die? Back to Replicant um uh basically uh you make the connection that this tree was not just metaphorically or in a mystic sense calling itself a receptor of memory it really is the connection to the world's hard drive in this universe and uh in the ending e as kine you find an opening in the tree to revisit it and it's kind of like the um one of the tower areas or one of the Adam Eve areas in, in, in near automata. This is an area very, very heavily influenced by being uh, made after near automata. And uh, the, the enemies you fight are reminiscent of the hacking sequences at times. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. It's uh, a, you, you fight, uh, you fight clones of, uh, of Kaine and then go into a heavily uh, sort of black, white aesthetic area that, that is kind of like a hacking sequence in near automata. And you end up fighting um, a number of Kaine's memories, leading to that that lizard shade that dominated her storyline in the first part of uh, of of near replicant, um, and eventually uh, that sort of uh, against the, the context is is sort of that this re- repository of memory that you encu- that you encountered earlier in the game as near uh, is the last place where near's data is like you can th- there is a backup of near and vice in this uh in this memory tree hard drive that is a uh, that is the sort of missing piece that kaine is struggling to remember but can't is, is am i Am I in no, off base? That's or? Like right. okay, right. okay, okay, okay. No, that's, that's right. <laughs> These games get so crazy about endings and uh, and and truth and and messing around with with the player's expectations that I'm always concerned that I'm missing something. Like I know this game is smarter than I am, so sometimes yeah. so some, I, I, any- I, I struggle trying to take it in.
1: And ending E is so different to any of the other endings in Replicant anyway. Like it's definitely closer to what you'd expect in Automata. So if you've like had the distance from Automata and you're literally, you know, you've know, you done endings A, B, C, and D in fairly quick succession, then you're going to not expect that. So yeah, it's totally understandable that you would get it a bit confused, but you didn't. So. Right. Well, I mean,
0: I, I I thought I was mostly understanding it as I was playing it, but because I know there's a lot to this game and, uh, and Yoko Taro plays with endings and expectations and and drama in in ways that i uh that i'm always surprised by i was a little i was always slightly worried there was something i wasn't getting but um but in, at the end uh uh Kaine confronts this she she even um uh meets emile tracks her down and uh and and becomes your companion and he i think he even mentions that that they were team kymil right
1: <laughs> i love that. And i'm, I'm, I'm like oh that,
0: that, that's cute I, I would have played a whole game as kymil that's all right um, i
1: would love that
0: <laughs> but yeah, it ends with uh, the tower that you're playing through sort of erupting through the ground and then blossoming like one of those lunar tears that is a, a white flower motif that happens a lot uh, in the game uh, with Kine sort of embracing a, a newly born Nier with the, uh, I, I guess with the idea that, uh, that he's, he's come back and he's remembered again And after you do this and roll credits again, they restore your deleted memory, which conceptually is kind of great because you you went into the the deepest memory bank in the universe and restored a lost memory, and then that restores your save file. But I think that also lessens the impact of forcing a player to delete their save file because Yoko Taro knew in 2010 that people hate the idea of deleting their save file because that save file there, that's... Th- that's a trophy that's a memory that's the whole experience of you playing the game and people hate losing their save files uh, when they play video games I, I i please don't tell me you're an exception to this
2: because that's no a lie. yeah i think it's an interesting psychological thing like like it's like how many times do we actually go back and play those games like almost never uh, but like yeah the idea of losing our save file is something yeah. that bothers it's devastating. us because like <laughs> It's like 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 I don't know like nobody wants to believe the Rashomon effect is real right like um, mm-hmm. like our, our our memories are not it's set in stone so like we know that our save file is this thing mm. that we can go back to that is real that is tangible and it's gone. Um, I, mean, I think it's I interesting haven't, from okay. like, a gameplay perspective.
0: I haven't seen Rashomon Shimon in a while, but that's not how I remember it.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. That joke will never get old. <laughs>
0: no, no. The, the, the Simpsons did it first, I know, but it's a, <laughs> that, that, that's a perfect joke.
3: Um,
0: but, uh, y- yeah, I, I think that like, in, both Repl- in both Gestalt and Replicant and Automata, like the, forcing a player to delete their save file for the, for the sake of the game is incredibly powerful and devastating and I feel like 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 why did they let us take it back? Like why did they back away from that ledge a little bit in the remake? That that that's my concern about ending E. Uh,
1: yeah, I I had the similar a, a similar concern. I still kind of do, and I still don't love that I get it back, but like. Uh... I don- i'm still trying to work my way through my feelings about it like i'm getting there but like i'll be really honest i did not like root e or ending e at all when i reviewed this game so like i'm changing a little bit just because like i've had a lot of time to think about it and i think it's really clever in what it does with kiney as a character in particular and like you know um throughout the game we've used work like throughout this podcast even we've used like ways to describe her as like upon ap- ap- unapologetic and she is very much her own person and like there is a line at the end of Automata um, that I remembered the other day and it was like um, oh god it's something like you're not handed life you have to work it out yourself or something like that and that is essentially what is doing throughout this entire ending right she's like mm-hmm. making her own decisions because she's like no screw what the world wants to happen I don't care whether the last gestalt or the last replicant has gone I want to make what the best of what i can make of it and so like i like this part of it i like what they do with Kaine. i like that she gets back a version of near it's not the version of near that she is a version of near that she cared for but she doesn't care about that she's got like a figure to hold on to kind of thing and she's physically holding yeah, on to i it, mean I- I-
0: if we view this near as a save data backup which is sort of how i interpreted it interpret it we don't know when that save data took place <laughs>
1: yeah exactly and like but she doesn't care about whether that is she just wants she just wants near that's it that's all she wants she wants near and she doesn't and she's got emil there with her as well so everything is back to normal for her because she's got what she wants and you know at the end of the day like i guess why does it matter if it's like gonna
0: go? it's, 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 it's like she knew something was missing and that was bothering her and she was struggling with it and she didn't knew, know what she wanted until she was fighting all of those uh, robots and memories in the tree, and until you know, it became sort of a desperate fight for her. Uh, yeah, it was
1: just more because of the memory loss, I guess. Yeah, and but like I think she'd have done it the, regardless. And uh,
0: the, there's a memory loss segment in the in the greatest manga of all time, One Piece, uh, and uh, and when <laughs> hot take. Right. Uh, When the, uh, and when sort of a big turning point happens and all of these people suddenly remember all their lost loved ones that had disappeared from memory, there's just an incredible amount of emotional release. And maybe that's one of the scenes from the anime that I rewatch and cry. Uh, But uh, like for the idea for a memory to disappear and come back is powerful in that, in that, you know, uh video game players never want to delete their save files. I, I don't know. Like it, i I'm still not sure how I feel. I, I love the concept of it and relating to the what they're doing in Ending E, but I just I, I think it's I think I just think it's more powerful to not have a way to go back from that. Even though now I can go back and try to upgrade all the weapons, which is something I'm kind of interested in and no, you,
2: and no, you're and, not. and definitely I am you know, definitely yeah. also not interested in. I don't care how many words you have for item drop plus to 30 or whatever, don't do it. Um I am I love ending E. Um, I watched it again earlier today. Um and it's funny cuz like Alana told me like what it was before she wrote a review. Um because you know, she doesn't have a huge near fan. I was like that sounds stupid. Um and then I played it. Um and then I watched it again and I actually think that um I love it. Um, I think I like it almost as much as ending E in Automata. Um, because, like, to me, like, ending D in original Nier, like, going back to it from Automata, like, has, like, maybe 10% of the impact that it has in Automata. Um, and I think that's, like, sort of purposeful. Like, in, like I-, I can imagine in 2010 if I was playing the original Nier, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, deleting my save file for my friend. Like, that's, that's like, a big deal. Um, but, like, Automata, like, ups that ante, like, so much, and it makes it so thematically rich in a way that mm-hmm. it's, like, you're deleting your save file for anyone. This idea, like, it's it sort of like the th- like what seemed to me at the time, like, the thematic conclusion of, like, these two games. Like, here's what Taro's really saying. Like, you have to sacrifice yourself for people you don't know and you don't necessarily like, which is not at all what Nier does, right? Um but I think he sort of complicates it a little bit in ending Yi here um, by saying, like, look, just because, like, these people committed acts of evil. And I actually don't think he's actually arguing they committed acts of evil. They committed acts of love, essentially, right? Like, mm-hmm. they committed acts of love. Kaine committed acts of love for Nir. Nir committed acts of love for Yona, And sure, maybe the consequences of those things were evil. But I think that ultimately it's, like, thematically saying, like, those acts of love still matter. Because, like, yeah. like um, Emile still says... Like, you know, we may have made mistakes in the past, but that this like we we can still move forward in love for each other. And I think that it's really interesting because it it almost talks back to the Automata ending. Whereas the Automata ending almost argues like, hey, like you just need to like sacrifice yourself for everyone. Uh, but that sort of discounts the idea of love being something that really matters because like you can't love everybody, of course. Um, and so I, I think that to me it is. A natural thematic push forward and like because I think Ending D is not that impactful now that we know what Automata is like to me like the getting it back is almost like more interesting to me now because Mm -hmm. Automata's already done what Automata's done.
0: Now I do feel a little bit about Ending E with that context but yeah I I think this. I would feel different about it if I had played Old Near, then Automata, then this. But because I did Automata first, then this, I, I'm, I'm thinking of this like, well, like, why are they let? Why are they letting you walk back from that? Is, is
1: well, I don't think so because I did, and I felt like you, like, and I still sort of do. Like, I think I've, I feel very uncomfortable with it, and maybe that's just me. Like, I'm, I'm fine to feel uncomfortable with it because I do like a lot of what it's doing and a lot of what, like, everything that Zach said. Yeah, I can see it absolutely, but like, it's really interesting because like, the, the reception to Ending E, so Ending E is actually also in Grimoire, so it's actually existed for. Ever since Grimoire Near, and and, and, and Grimoire
0: Near so, is a is a book.
1: It's a companion book, right. yeah, that has like a bunch of short stories, interviews, and things like that in there. Um So it's always existed, and it was a very divisive piece of, like, it was very divisive. Like a lot of people didn't like it, and then since Replicant has come out, and lots of people have beaten it, I've seen near universal praise for Ending E, which is really interesting to me because they work it in a little bit differently as well. Um, but. Yeah, like, I'm still working through my thoughts. So, like, I don't know whether it matters whether you've played in what order. Because, obviously, Zach, you played Automata first and then played Gestalt. Oh, right, yeah. uh, You know, so, yeah. It's not, it's just, it's it's not going to work for everybody. And, like, I'd rather it made me feel really uncomfortable, to be honest, than if I walked away from it completely satisfied. Oh, yeah, that was perfect. But, like, yeah, I think you just need to learn to take something from it, essentially. And I think what I'm getting from it is, like, that it's some kind of i'm, I'm deliberately saving things because we're recording this before something i've written goes up so i'm trying <laughs> the, the to like the thing you write will yeah. go up
2: before this my friend
1: <laughs> it will yeah okay so <laughs> well i don't um, No. no no yeah, no no, I mean, no please I mean,
0: plug it uh, that's something we absolutely should talk about
1: well yeah i mean like i talk about my like conflicted feelings with ending e and how like i came to resolve most of them in this piece and like but it's not the center of it. Like, the center of the piece that I've written is about, like, um, both Emil and Kainé as existing as queer characters in a world where, like, essentially they have to find their own place in life and their own place in the world. And how that reflected on me as a person replaying it this year. And, like, I think ending E, the way I got around it, was realizing that actually, you know what? Like, how often are we... Like, Kainé has spent her entire life being bullied and abused and... Tormented, And she puts herself through so much throughout the... Probably more than... Like, I don't want to say more than near. Maybe she does, though. Mm, she puts herself through so yeah. much in the game. Like, she's been beaten by kids. She's lost her grandmother. She's possessed by a shade, willingfully, after having her leg and her arm chopped off, right? And then she's, like, isolated. She pushes people away. She has to confront Hook, who is the shade that killed the grandmother. And all the shades have... Uh, fairy tale names like she has to go through things over and over again in route b she has to relive all of it again while she's petrified under this text adventure and then at that campfire scene which is new in route b like she like comes out to a meal and is like my body's different they bullied me for this this is that and this is her kind of like starting to rebuild herself and rebuild every piece of like her emotion and her like like find her own place in the world basically like she's very much trying to do that anyway but like there she's like trying to learn to love herself and come to terms with what she, who she is and what her place in the world and then like getting to root e is like her fully acting on that and going like no screw the world mm-hmm. just because i've been told all my life i do not deserve this i will take it and do what I want with it and like the, the interesting consequence of ending E is like regardless of whether she's happy uh all, all the replicants uh, all the gestalts are gone at this point like or well, they're going the, the the project will never be fulfilled and in fact the ending says that they're all dead in three years time so like you know but in that one moment for her it's so important that she's happy to her right. and that's all that matters right like it's it's a really valuable lesson i think and like I, as much as i don't love getting my safe file back because i'm like uh, it's it's slightly different but okay and like i I feel like emil coming back maybe i love emil but like it was a little odd and the androids are obviously the two the, the boy and the girl are like obvious references because the voices of B and 9s are playing those two androids that you fight or you see inside the tree it there's so many different elements to that route that have me mixed but like almost every single interaction with Kaine, her fighting herself over and over again like she has done for her entire life like she has to fight hook again she has to fight all these other copies she has to relive another text adventure everything at once is just bombarding her and it's like pushing through it's like a breakthrough she's gone through so much trauma and she just breaks through it and is like no that's it and that's 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 what I take from ending in." and I don't know if everybody will um but like yeah it's helped me help me accept the ending and a lot of other things as well which I, you can go read the piece if you want <laughs> I mean
2: two things one is Kaine is brilliant and she deserves that ending and also your piece is brilliant so everybody should go read it it's really good <laughs>
0: Yep, just check out the rpgfan.com's features section. Uh, and, uh, and What's the name of the title of the piece? It, it's, it's about to go it up is, a, as we're recording it, this.
1: It is called Queer Replicant. Got it. Identity and sexuality through Kine and Emil in Near Replicant.
0: Excellent. Th- th- thank you for that analysis and, and for your piece, Alana, which I, I have not read yet because I, I very, very rarely, <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't do much editing for RPG fans, so I very r- uh, rarely read pieces before they officially go up but i'm i'm uh, looking forward to reading your piece in its completion once it's uh, once it posts which is uh, bef- which is again after we're recording this but it's definitely out <laughs> now by the time that this is uh, released um but again i, I don't want to g- comment beyond what you said alana but I, I just looking at a at a larger view of near replicant this is a game about sort of uh, about about outcasts and and suffering and and repetition that goes incredible emotional moments that I was that I was thrilled and surprised by constantly playing uh, the game. But the, they make you work for them because I mean, playing through the part two of the storyline three times minimum it, it it's not as fun the third time. It's it's like I mean I mean I mean I mean yeah. e- even if the first time it's as fun as eating a tub of ice cream, the third time's as fun as eating your third tub of ice cream. Um, <laughs> like like it, there's I, I was really uh, I was slagging a little bit but by by the third run through of that game and uh, and things like uh, yeah. we alluded to this earlier, but um upgrading weapons does have uh, those story rewards and gameplay rewards by you know making your weapons stronger, but. Grinding for materials to do so is a, is a complete drag, and that you have to travel ten minutes to the top of a bridge over the, over to the jump, junkyard just to upgrade the weapon is also a drag. Like there's <laughs> and and, and, y- and Yoko Taro knows this. He's making players, uh, or the designers of this game, made players suffer to get to the good parts because part of this game is, is about suffering is, is at least my
2: takeaway. Yeah, no, I think it's accurate. I mean, I think that like, I don't know. I mean, he likes to, he likes to take things that are like gamified and make them like real parts of the game and like ways that like are an effort to show the annoyance that the, the character would go through. Like in automata, like, I don't know. It takes a while to get the vending machines to open up. Right um for mm-hmm. the fast travel here it takes a while for the boat to open up but like like i, I yeah i mean like the uh, side quests in this game like i don't know this time around i did maybe like 50 percent of them i wasn't growing any i don't know pale moon flowers or whatever the heck it was yeah geez there's, there's a trophy. whole there's a whole
0: yeah there's a whole <laughs> botany system in this game
2: yeah that you never did, have did to not interact not with at all zero ten would not recommend <laughs>
0: It's way um, more. It's way more complicated than being a botanist in FF14, <laughs> or or even growing, or even growing hybrid flowers in Animal Crossing. Like they, they they put this whole gardening nonsense in this game that takes a long time and gets you nothing but a few flowers and a trophy
1: it's good money if you grow if you grow wheat or rice it's really good quick money but by the time you're in the second half of the game like money like, is you kind don't really of need no money object. in
2: this game as long as you
0: do, yeah like, I, mean, it, I mean i mean I I, <laughs> I I yeah i did side quests for money and that gave me a lot and then i i yeah. killed robot i sold robot parts for money a little bit mm-hmm. uh, yeah but it's uh, again like they celebrate tedium in this game and and to a degree force players through TDM in a way that is very deliberate and i did not always
2: love <laughs> but
1: yeah like
2: but,
0: but, but like, the junk the wor- keep
2: is not maybe not my favorite area to run through because i've done it a whole lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the last too. year I, mean, I, think and yeah. I think
1: that was the
0: one i went through the most as well
2: um <laughs>
1: Yeah, because that's where you get all your alloys and that, yeah. Yeah, and, like, the tedium of the side quest is, like, I think it's probably worse here than it is in Automata. Like, I think Automata got some similar criticisms and, like, but there's so much back and forth in particular in this one. And, like, the fast travel, it's fast travel, sure, but you still have to walk to facade from the boat or yeah. you have to walk to the temple. Like, it's not like there are vending machines everywhere or, like, your transport yeah. is everywhere. But, like, um, I think... It, it, it's really frustrating to me because like it's it's illustrating a point which i love and like you know like near th- there's a really good quote actually that encapsulates it and i can't remember the specifics but i think it's after it's after one of the mermaid sequences and the postman or the the guy with the red bang like dies mm-hmm. and near says i'll miss their arguments them arguing like,
0: is is just a hallmark it, of the great writing in this yeah. game
1: <laughs> It is great, and it's like, but, you know, why are you helping people out? Well, because you're a person, and you're a nice person, and you're empathizing, and you're helping people, right? Like, I think that's what the quests act to do, right? They're, like, I think one of the comparisons I made in my review, like, I know you said that, like, Automata and Replicant were quite similar to you, but I think you were going for more gameplay. I still think, even though they've got thematic links, I think they're quite different in that, like, Automata definitely deals with, like, grander concepts a bit more, um, but, like replicant deals with people more directly mm-hmm. like i know again automata's message is like give yourself up to save everybody because empathy is universal and this is the same message is here in t- to some ways um but like in replicant like you're doing things to help people to make them happy and then ultimately at the end you know nia gives himself up to save kine because that's what he wants kine saves brings back near because that's what she wants and she wants to make herself happy like you're doing everything in this game to, like, help people out. Like, think about the Lighthouse side quest, which is, like, extremely famous. Yeah. Like, um, it's so incredible. And, like, there's so many choices in those, like, quests where actually it doesn't change anything. Like, whatever right. you say, <laughs> like, it, whatever you say. But I still, like... I sat on some of those decisions for 10 minutes. I'm like, no, Alana, you're reviewing a video game. Why are you having a mental breakdown over whether you're going to tell someone that, they're to, that their husband's died or not? Why are you going to lie to yeah, them? But, I'm like, that, you that can part, change oh. it,
2: and she reacts basically the same way, which yeah. I did. Yeah, <laughs> are, are you talking about the lighthouse lady or the red bag lady?
1: That's the red yeah, bag yeah, lady. Because which, You can also do the similar thing with the lighthouse lady. Right, like, as you as can as tell as her that the husband <laughs> wasn't writing... The letter and it's like why am I agonizing so much but I'm agonizing because I i give a sh- basically like every time it doesn't yeah, matter you yeah, are yeah. the, gonna react differently with the red bag
0: woman the, the first time i ran through it during uh ending a i guess uh or before ending A, I I, I told her that her husband died and she was completely devastating and it was uh, devastated and it's and it's gut-wrenching and the second time you know me with my dumb gamer brain was thinking i'll say the other thing uh, uh, no. this time <laughs> and, and it'll be different and maybe maybe it'll be better and it's worse because she assumed that her husband <laughs> left her because of something it's she awful. did which is worse, and the, 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 again, this this game it didn't affect the rest of the game, but it's still just a, a very powerful dialogue moment.
1: And uh, yeah, they're just snippets of humanity, aren't they? Yeah, right, and, like and, it's... And, and
0: also like again, going to the point of this, this game not really having heroes and villains, and uh, and near you know doing awful things because he's lost sight of anything other than rescuing his sister. It's like, of course you want to rescue your sister. Of course you want to help people. Uh, that that are in front of you, but you also like wipe out almost an entire town when you defeat uh, the, the orb oh. shade in the airy. And that's, and that's always and, the part God. that gets me in this game. And, oh, and, oh, and, and, yeah, and, and, and Emil's reaction Yeah and Emil oh. breaks down <sighs> for having killed an entire village and uh, and then Nier tells me, It's okay. It's we, we did it to kill a shade and we're and and we're alive, so it's okay. And <laughs> but, but with the knowledge that these shades were humans uh, that that makes it worse. And also when you have the shade dialogue and before endings B and C, and you go to the area before that event happens, you hear shades saying, well, uh, we're most of the population of the town now. We're pretending to be humans. We just want to live like humans. Mm-hmm. And the replicants in in the area are paranoid jerks. While the shades in the area are just trying to live lives like humans again.
2: They actually and, like sell you like goods.
0: Yeah, they sell you gear <laughs> yeah. and like a little kit. And uh, there's an older sister shade is protecting a younger boy that I think is a replicant. Um, that yep. but but Correct. you murder all of them, and, and it's that's a, a gut punch the one that gets me the most though is uh I, i'm sorry I'm, I'm rambling now but i have to talk about this scene before we shut it down BP. um what bp bp the robot oh oh god khalil khalil i was not thinking about that one i'm thinking of a scene with no dialogue at all after emil dies um you oh. you sort of uh oh you, yeah you, you sprint oh. into an empty hallway and yeah. like uh and, and near and and Kaine are just so emotionally spent that they just sit there wheezing for a while, then Kaine punches and kicks near a couple times then brings her head close to him like they're about to kiss or something, then breaks away and they both just say, let's go and they move on to kill the Shadow Lord. It's like (sighs) what? (laughs) Like people just being emotionally drained and expressing it and expressing their grief in those different ways and is, was like, I, I, I couldn't believe the acting in that scene.
1: Oh God, the voice acting—and even in the original, it was great—but like, it's just as good yeah, here. Like the, vo- the voice. So work Laura and Bailey
2: the, is a goddess. Let's yeah, be honest. The voice work and the, I, I, <laughs> yes. yeah,
1: the
0: the voice work and the body language in that scene were just incredible.
1: Huh? I yeah. met
0: Laura Bailey at E3 a, a few years ago. What? Yep. You did yep. no, yes, yes yep. excuse me. Did. Yeah, Steph and I did. We were we were we were interviewing uh, um, uh, people oh. for uh, for the uh, uh, for the Telltale Batman game. And she's Catwoman. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh,
2: we We used to be friends. (laughs) Exactly.
0: The chat. All right. Would you say a long time ago we used to be friends, but lately, all Uh, come on now. Thanks, Veronica. Yeah. All right. Okay. If I'm making, if I'm quoting lyrics from the opening theme to Veronica Mars, maybe we are nearing the end of the. We are nearing (laughs) the end of the episode. Hey. Hey. But anyway, uh, thank you so much, Alana and Zach, for allowing me to express myself after I had many complicated thoughts and feelings <laughs> after playing near, uh, near replicant for the first time. Um, oh, don't worry, I did too. Thank yeah. you. It's noble. Yeah, it's <laughs> normal. thank you. This is a cool, uh, brilliantly written game that is frustrating at parts, but that frustration is deliberate on the parts of the creators, which makes me which makes my feelings even more complicated, I guess. But uh, I don't regret uh, crossing it off the list, especially that I'm able to podcast about it with you guys, because this was a, uh, again, this was both um, a a great discussion, I feel, and also cathartic, I definitely feel. Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm ready to do it all again with near reincarnation or whatever else they do oh, next, boy. and probably replay both of these games again at some point and have I have another identity crisis. Let's go, go. Ahead read about go. like
2: all the theory crafting about like the lunar tier and like destruction <sighs> seeds online. Don't worry, there will be another near.
3: <laughs>
2: There's uh, um, th-
0: this game goes deep. Yeah, I-, I think Near Automata is a somewhat better game for reasons we don't need to get into, but uh, yeah, that game goes deep too. And the and the way these two games connect just makes me that much more excited for whatever Yokotaro does next, uh, even if even yeah. if it's just another raid in Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs>
1: Well, I was gonna say, like, just to cut it off there, right? Like, if near replicant and that last raid in um, Final Fantasy XIV can make a whole swath of people go, "I want to play Dragon Guard now," yeah. like you've done something great. <laughs> there are a whole <laughs> like... lot of
2: Dragon Guard references in both. I will say that. Oh,
0: I I yeah. I, uh, I mentioned my somewhat disinterest in Drakengard earlier this episode, but I have not wanted to play Drakengard more than when I was going through the various endings in this game. That 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 is the truth.
1: I think the near raid, the last one. I haven't done it myself because I'm nowhere near it. But like, I've obviously sat and watched it, and like, even I was sitting there watching it and was like oh okay yeah. this is where we're yeah, going yeah. now Puppets, here we Puppets go bunker,
0: those bells pump bunker was the last thing i did in ff14 before going on in uh uh in indeterminate hiatus on it but uh yeah. it, whatever yoko taro does that is a that is a a devious but brilliant man and i am interested in whatever his next uh endeavor is but let's talk about our next endeavors at retro encounter um next week we are doing two episodes in a row bringing back the essential 10 in uh, a a set of episodes we're calling the essential 10 2 we are going to add 10 more games to our rpg fans retro encounter hall of fame over two more episodes there will be arguments there will be uh there will be stress, but it, we will eventually arrive at a list of ten. And so lose please lo-
2: four staff members in the process. Yes. <laughs> we, no one mentioned that. <laughs> well,
1: plus you two then, at least. Bye. Yep.
2: <laughs> we'll see.
0: And uh, the, we, I already know a little bit about how those episodes went, and I already have regrets. But, um, uh, but the, please look forward to those two in the next two weeks. And after the essential ten two, we are doing two episodes on Hakuoki, which is a uh, Otome game, uh, a, a female-centric visual novel set in, I believe, uh, I, I believe post-feudal Japan. Uh, the, the Shinsengumi are involved. So I think 19th Century Japan, um, I I haven't done all the research into it yet, but we are doing two episodes on Hakuoki later this month, and the panel will be all women. So please look forward to the first Otome game coverage on Retro Encounter. But also on Retro Encounter, a game that's a a little bit more something I'm used to, Uh, we are doing two episodes on Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, uh, the artist formerly known as Shin Megami Mm -hmm. Tensei III, in August which are, I think will bookend episode 300 the way that we have it set up right now. So episode 300 will be its own special thing, and we will also have two episodes on Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne coming in August. But listeners, if you want to message us about Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne or Hakaoki or Near Replicant or... Veronica Mars, the best way to do so is to email us at retro at rpgfan.com. You can also uh, comment on RPG Fan's message boards, our Facebook page, our Instagram page, our Twitter page, our Discord server, our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel, something streaming every day on Twitch, Please interact with RPG fan however you see fit. Another great way to interact is to listen to our other fine podcasts, Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness, Rhythm Encounter mostly every two weeks about RPG music, and Phoenix Edge usually every week, uh, mostly about current events. You can review Retro Encounter and those other three on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever listening venue you choose. Please give us feedback. We love feedback, but how do you give us feedback? As individuals and not a group, let's tell them, starting with you, Zach. Zach.
2: Uh, you can tell me what you think about Nier or all CW shows, including Veronica Mars and Gilmore Girls, at, <laughs> at com or you can message me on Discord at ZachW.
0: Now, hold up a minute. Veronica Mars was the greatest UPN show of all time before joining the CW family.
2: That's true, but so, also Gilmore Girls was on...
0: WB before WB. CW. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, CW is the... Is, is the uh you know um the, the megazord of those two uh, uh bodies fusing together right
2: i'll also take emails about buffy that's all good
0: sure yeah another another mm-hmm. wb classic are were all of those starring blonde women no no no, no. the gilmore girls are brunette yeah, what yeah all brunette. right yeah mm-hmm. so great. strong female leads look to the cw uh, but speaking of strong female leads, Alana, how can listeners find you?
1: Oh, God, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. Oh, that's fine. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Alana Hagues, or you can find me on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana.
0: And listeners, if you want to uh, message me about any of the thing that we've discussed today, especially Gilmore Girls or Veronica Mars, <laughs> you can uh, find me on Twitter at the Real, at the Real Monsoon. Uh, most of the time at Evoca for Dogs. Other times, uh, and I'm also Monsoon Mike on our PG fans Discord. <sighs> I'm I'm emotionally spent right now, but not quite as emotionally spent the after <laughs> ending D. Let's say, listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck. Mm.